Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor for Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located at Pewaukee, just north of I-94 between Highway 164 and Highway F in Ridgeview Corporate Park and in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also service clients in Benita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today is April DeVolcanaire, CEO and owner of Fortress Forensic Investigation. Hi, April. Welcome. Thanks, Heather. Good morning. How are you doing today? I am great, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation about cryptocurrency scams, investment scams, and things like that that I think can really highlight some of the pitfalls that we face um, and, and things to do to prevent it, to fight against it, that sort of thing. Absolutely. I'm excited for as well. So if you want to start out by telling us about yourself, your background, you know, what got you interested and in, in, in the work that you do. Certainly. Well, I am a forensic accountant and I have owned my business since 2019, but I have a long history of financial crimes investigations. So I am former law enforcement. I've also worked in civil and criminal courts. I have an accounting background from manufacturing as well as retail, and I'm also an adjunct professor. So I teach law enforcement how to investigate financial crimes. And so I just have a wealth of knowledge that I've gained over the years, and I truly enjoy what I do. So the passion is just overflowing, and it's amazing. And I have experienced the passion <laughs> that you have about this. You've shared with our um, clients and the community different seminars. I know you've been on the radio show before, not quite for this topic, which I think is much more um, groundbreaking, more unique with some different pieces that we need to really focus on. Absolutely. Yes, I do a number of different educational pieces um, all over the country, actually. And I enjoy it so much that I, I love to get this information out and share with others the knowledge that I've been able to gain through the education and the certifications and trainings that I participate in. That's great. Well, let's kind of dive in um, about cryptocurrency investment scams. Certainly. So first of all, people get nervous and excited all at the same time when they start talking about crypto mm -hmm. because it's something new or relatively new and they're like, you know, what am I missing out on or what should I participate in? What shouldn't I participate in? Is it safe? Is it risky? You know, all these different questions come to their minds and that's really where we need to get started is it's all of the above. Sure. <laughs> so um, first of all, uh, cryptocurrency is not currently regulated, which makes it very, very risky. Um, but it is something new, so sometimes people want to just dabble a little bit in it. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to do it uh, safely. However, um, when I say safely, I mean understanding that the risk is you're going to lose your money, right? It's still an investment. Right. It's still a risk, <laughs> even though you can put some safeguards around it. But that is more on the protection side, not so much the volatility side. Correct. Correct. Um, and so 
the scans that we're really going to touch base on and, and focus on are overwhelming, mm-hmm. truthfully. Um, and it's because of a lot of different factors. So the scans themselves uh, typically, and it's hard to say typical now because there's so many different <laughs> scams out there, but a lot of people think that the cryptocurrency investment scams are happening overseas, which I will absolutely admit a ton of it is happening overseas. But it's also happening here domestically. And part of that is because there is this lack of knowledge, um, not only in the people that are invest investing in it, however, also in the people that need to investigate it if you mm. become a victim. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of knowledge necessary from both the investor up through the investigator, the law enforcement, the prosecution, um, all these different aspects of people that need to get involved to try to find out if you have been victimized as a, as part of a scam or not. And was it done domestically, meaning somewhere here in the U.S. or internationally? Because that's going to determine jurisdiction and who, mm-hmm. who actually has the authority to investigate those types of crimes. Right. Well, and, you know, financial crimes aren't exactly new. Correct. <laughs> Unfortunately, <clears throat> there's a lot of different... Um, you know, uh, ne- ne'er-do-wells, if we want to use a, a, a term, um, that have been around in, in the financial industry and different kind of scams. What would be, like, the differences between that? How, how is the cryptocurrency scam so much different? In all reality, it's not that much different. Mm. So crypto is just another form of currency, right? So it's still a financial crime. And it, it's just... This is crypto, meaning somewhere in the cyber world, versus fiat currency, which is the green money in your hand, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to saying, all right, this is the American dollar, and, you know, these are pounds. You know, there, there's just, it's just a different type of currency. And so it just depends on where you're located as to what it is. But it's still a financial crime. Sure. And really, sure. It makes a lot of sense. That's part of what people need to realize is that it's not really a difference of cryptocurrency to financial crimes, it's crypto is a type of financial crime. Got it. And so sometimes there's the, the distinction there and people don't realize that it's it's just another type of financial crime that can be investigated just like any other financial crime. So so what what is an example of a cryptocurrency investment scam? So the most common currently is really when someone reaches out to you typically like say on their cell phone, right? You receive a text from somebody that says, hey, Joe, how are you doing? Um, you know, hope you had a great day out on the golf course. And you don't recognize who the number is from. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, they knew I was golfing. And they, they know my name. Right, they mm-hmm. know who I am. Like, what's kind of going on here? And they maybe text back, who is this? Or, you know, forgive me, but, you know, you're not in my contacts. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what's going on? Um, and then they start to claim that they knew them from a previous experience, whether that is they went to school with them in high school or in college, or they worked with them previously before they changed jobs recently, or something to that effect. They're going to claim that they know who they are or or were a previous member of their inner circle, mm. and now they're going to try to start talking to you. And they talk about just general everyday thing, like I said, the, the golf course, or you know, they're going to talk about the weather, or the upcoming Super Bowl, or whatever the case may be, 
just to talk and to see if you respond. And then if you do respond or you continue that conversation in any way, shape, or form, they are going to start continuing that conversation in the multitudes, meaning you're going to get 20 texts a day about everything and anything that's going on (laughs) um, because they want to keep your attention and they want to keep you talking. Okay. And then what they do is through that conversation, within relatively short amount of time, they're going to start telling you how they invested in cryptocurrency and how much money they're making. And by doing that, they are going to encourage you to then invest. Mm. And they are going to be very persuasive. They'll actually show you screenshots of like their their statements, their investment statements that says, hey, look, this is what my deposit was at the beginning of the quarter or the beginning of the month. And this is what it is now. And these are the this is the amount of money that I'm making currently. And you can do the same. And then they try to, quote unquote, teach them how to do it. And what's really happening behind the scenes then? Well, during that teaching process, mm-hmm. um, what they're really doing is they are convincing this uh, individual to invest, quote unquote, invest money into this crypto investment, right? But what they're really doing is they're trying to convince that person to actually deposit money into a, a wallet that is actually owned by the criminal. Okay. Who will then eventually, once it's deposited, then they will start moving it around and shifting it to other wallets that are not accessible to the actual investor. And basically steal that money from them. Correct. When you think you're just <clears throat> investing in something that an old college buddy Correct. invested in. Correct. The, pro- the problem or the issue is, in this case, is that what they're going to do is that initial investment is going to be relatively small. It's going to be... $1,000, maybe $2,000, um, but they're actually going to give you the high returns that they're claiming. They're going to physically give it back to you in your wallet okay. that, that you can see. They're going to they're gonna send you a screenshot of it, and they're going to say, hey, look, here's, here's the funds back. This is what you made over the last week or two weeks or whatever. And then they're going to do it a, a second time. They're going to be like, hey, look at the money you made, and it's growing. So do you want to continue? Like, do you want to stay in this? And then they'll convince them to invest another, say, $5,000 or something like that, right? So they'll increase it. But again, that second time, they're also going to show you the benefits. Look, this is what you made over the last two and a half weeks. And this is your profit. And then what they do is they actually get that person to then invest a larger amount, meaning twenty-five, $50,000 and that type of thing. And then what they actually do is they ghost them. Um, And what we mean by that is that once you... You put that amount of money in, they try to make the claim that has to sit for a longer period of time before you can access it. And or if you ever try to say, hey, look, I I want out. I need my money back for whatever. I've got a family emergency. Um, They're going to completely ignore you. They're going to disconnect the number. They're going to change the phone number. They're they're never going you're never going to hear from them again. Meanwhile, you've not had any real access to the wallet or an account or anything. You've just seen <clears throat> images or screenshots that people that the I can't I don't even know what to call them, the criminal. The criminal. What the criminal has sent back to you. Correct. Correct. You will actually have one wallet or I'm sorry, one um wallet address because okay. there's a there's a what they call a hot wallet and a cold wallet. Um that's getting a little bit further than what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> sure. Um but the, it it's kind of like having a pro- private wallet versus a public wallet and so you'll be able to see um 
one wallet address and you're going to believe typically that that's yours. Um, the problem is, is that the criminal's giving it to you. And so the criminal has access right, to it. <laughs> right. And you believe that it's legitimate. Correct. And so you get kind of coerced and lulled into this sense of a valid investment with integrity and safety around it, knowing it's an investment, seeing mm-hmm. returns, supposed returns. Correct. Yeah. Well, let's take a short break. And when we come back, I want to um, you know, talk a bit more about about what the scam, how that how that happens, what happens. Sounds great. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And my guest today is April DeValconair, CEO and owner of Fortress Forensic Investigations. So April, we've been talking about cryptocurrency investment scams. You told us about lot about the process and how somebody might fall victim to a scam. If there's more you want to share, I know outside of our recording, you did share what this is referred to more commonly. Um, and and if, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. So, so tell us more about this financial manipulation. Certainly. So if you actually try to Google uh, this particular type of scam, the term that people use is called pig butchering. And as that's rough, <laughs> that's very rough. And as I've indicated, I hate that term. I don't hate many things, but I hate that term. <laughs> and really, what you had alluded to is it's a financial manipulation, right? And so, really, the term comes from. There's a background behind it. Is when we talked earlier about you know people giving small investments and actually getting a, a return mm-hmm. and then giving a little bit larger investment and getting a return before they give that very large investment right that 25 or 50,000 dollar investment and then getting ghosted um, the term comes from people actually saying that they're the criminals are trying to fatten up the investor they're trying to get them to invest more right because they're showing them some type of a return. They're showing them that they're getting results, they're getting money back. And then what happens is they're essentially getting them ready to butcher, meaning that when they ghost them, they're getting ready to slaughter them, saying, you know what, I'm just gonna take all your money and I'm gonna run because I can. Um, because maybe the investor is not savvy enough to, with the cryptocurrency as to how to trace it or how to get it out of that wallet. You know, they, they've been told or Edu- quote unquote educated from the criminal as to how to deposit the money but they were never really given any instructions on how to get that money out and mm-hmm. so if they don't know how to get it out before the criminal takes off with it right then that's a problem but in this particular type of scam the criminal more likely than not has already left with that money they're just showing you fake screenshots of what's potentially still there for you so that's part of the concern. That's part of the issue. Um, but what we want people to realize is that it is a fin- financial manipulation because it's done by a criminal, right? Right. It's not that somebody fell for a scam. It's not somebody got duped out of their money. It's they were manipulated by a criminal who does this 12 to 16 hours a day, every day, in order to get the money that they want, right? Because they think they're entitled even though they're not. And so people need to realize that it's it's not like you got scammed. It's you were manipulated by a criminal. And that's a very different 
aspect of what's really happening. We want people to realize that, you know, it's not their fault, right? right? They're the victim in this and they, um, you know, need to be forthcoming and provide the information that they are aware of, whether that's the phone number that was texting them or the the wallet address or whatever it is that they have to give that to the investigator so that they have a means to try to track it, to try to figure out who it was that actually took their money and to determine if that person or group of people is domestic or if it's international because that will help determine who will actually be investigating that crime because if it's a domestic crime, meaning somewhere in the U.S., then your local law enforcement has resources available to them that they can reach out to domestically to help with those types of investigations. If it's something that's happening overseas, which is happening, um, then they have to reach out to their federal partners. And I do want to mention that in some of this aspect, this is occurring more recently, but what we've learned is that there are actually human trafficking victims who are now being held by criminal rings of organizations that are forcing them to reach out to American individuals who are trying to um, invest in cryptocurrency or learn Mm -hmm. more about it, right? right? And so they are actually, some of the overseas criminals are also human trafficking victims that are being forced to do this. Um, and when I say forced, it's a matter of they are, if they don't reach a certain dollar amount or if they don't acquire enough money from the victim here in the U.S., right, they can actually be tortured and have been. Um, so we're hearing more reports of that now occurring. And so that obviously brings a whole nother realm to it. So part of it is, Although we want people to be coming forward because they've been victimized, we also want them to realize that by investing, they might actually be facilitating other crimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It becomes so really tricky. It does. It does. And so that's difficult, right? Um, because obviously they don't want some human trafficking victim to be harmed, right? But we need to stop that crime as well. Right. And so we need to know what information they can provide to the investigators because maybe they get so many referrals or reports of this in this area, right, based on IP addresses and all these other things that they might be able to shut down these camps, uh, uh, which is how they're referring to them, of these human trafficking victims. So that's a lot. And I can imagine being a victim and how when you when you realize you've been then ghosted and how you can look back at these decisions along the way i think what you said about it is manipulation and these criminals are savvy they're smart they've got experience um and and just understanding like you said it's not the victim's fault mm-hmm. right so being able to come forward um share the story share the how it all went, what the process was, is going to help educate other people, going to help the investigators find who's actually behind it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's necessary to come forward as soon as possible. Because again, in any type of financial crime, the recovery rate is not great in Mm -hmm. any way, shape, or form. Right? right? I mean, in normal uh, fiat currency, right, once you report a financial crime, the rate of recovery is slim to none. 
And so even if you get a court order, you get a just uh, judgment of conviction against the criminal and you get restitution order, there's only a 3% chance you're actually going to get that full amount back, yeah. right? If anything. Um, and so it, it's very difficult. So the sooner you identify it and report it, the better, because hopefully that means the less money you'll lose. Yeah. And, and for others too, you know, if mm -hmm. you do um, catch on that this is the start of a scam, and I would uh, imagine that bringing the authorities in at that point is is helpful as well. Correct. Not sure what that would look like. <clears throat> we can talk about that a little bit later in the in the show as well. Um, but you know, again, with that savvy and and smart nature of these criminals, um, I, it's not surprising that so many people get reached out to. Oh, absolutely, and they are doing it constantly. And mm -hmm. once they reach out to somebody that actually responds, they're relentless. Mm -hmm. So meaning they're going to continue to ask questions. They're going to continue to try to engage. Um, as part of another scam aspect, what we've learned is that if you respond, um, whether that's with a phone call or with a text or, or what have you, um, they consider that a live number, quote unquote. And so what that means is that there's a, a live person on the other end of that and they will actually, they being the criminals, will then actually take that number and sell it to other mm, criminals. Sure. Because they know there's a live person at the other end of that that is responding. Yeah, so. that gets really tricky. I know I get um, phone calls, I, so many spam risk phone calls that I don't answer because I don't want <laughs> anyone thinking that's a real number on my end. Correct. And we actually tell people, if you don't recognize the number, let it go to voicemail, right? right? If, if it's, it's that important, they'll leave a message and you can call them back. Correct. And if you get a text, which is how most of these types of scams occur or begin, mm -hmm. don't respond. Delete the thread. You know, you don't have to do anything with it. If you don't recognize who it is, if it truly is somebody from your past that's trying to reach out to you, they will reach out again. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. That's a good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think something that we'll talk about a little bit later, too, is just what to do to safeguard yourself. Some of that is is just that, right? Mm -hmm. If you do not recognize something, somebody, know that if they're real and if it's a real connection, that they are going to come back and, right. and, and make sure they get in touch with you. Absolutely. Well, let's take a short break. And then when we come back again, we'll look at more protections on how to stay how to stay safe from this. And, and really, probably that same safety applies to so many other financial scams. Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group, and my guest today is April DeVolcanair, CEO and owner of Fortress Forensic Investigations. So, April, we've talked about cryptocurrency investment scams and how manipulative and how much it is manipulation by the criminal. Talk through, you know, what the what the victim might be feeling. Um, you know, just to kind of cover what else you can do for yourself to to stay more safe. You know, there's a lot I know I know you have such a great background on so many different financial related crimes. I'm sure many of these cover a lot of different bases and then also adding in anything more particular about this cryptocurrency and digital wallets and that's a whole different a whole different game. Absolutely. And so there's a few different things. First of all, first and foremost, keep your password safe, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. Don't share them with anybody. Keep them locked up. Don't leave them out. You know, making sure that you have them secured somewhere, whether that's at home, whether that's um, electronically. You know, if you're going to use some type of a, you know, like a, a password keeper type yes. thing. I yes. know that um, we use a, a technology like that that makes it really safe and secure for our systems here and, you know, um, and using it for personal as well, where you have to only remember, say, one password and then it'll unlock the rest of them. Correct. Correct. There, there's some other options in regards to multi-factor authentication. And mm-hmm. so you want to make sure that you have more than one um, type of, of means to get in, right? So you're going to type in your password and then it's going to maybe send a text to your phone that you then need to input or something to that effect. Now, so I just turned that on for like my online shopping account. Um, where else should I be focusing on to put in that multi-factor? My bank accounts have it, you know, all mm-hmm. of those things. But um, there's a, anything that is financially related, right? So even like your healthcare records, when you're logging in and you're maybe looking at your health savings account or, you know, your your claims for your health insurance, you should have some type of multi-factor authentication on there. But you also want to be aware that you shouldn't just use two-factor authentication, which is directly through your cell phone. So they have also what's called authenticators, meaning when I go in and it's giving me a code, right, that I have to Mm -hmm. plug in, um, it's also then if I have to plug that code in on my phone, it's also going to then make me re-enter the password to my phone to make sure that it's really me. So, okay. so it's more than just having that, you know, code that you're being provided. So it's something a little bit in addition to that, you know, two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. It's making sure you have some type of an authenticator that's identifying that it is actually you, you know, because that way if you give that code, although we're telling you now, don't give it out, right? <laughs> but if you happen to, even by accident in some fashion, um, give it out to someone else and then they try to use it but can't actually access your phone login, right? Sure. Like it's something right. extra. Um, so something to that effect. And you can you can Google different options for what that would look like because there's a number of different apps that you can use. Um, but something that's going to give you that extra barrier, right, that even if you inadvertently give up your your code or you're giving it to someone you think you know, right, and it's mm-hmm. really somebody else. Sure. And I think that, um, you know, when we think about the multi-factor authentication and and the text messages or checking your email and, you know, it slows everything down. But for that peace of mind and that safety and security and the amount of time you'll save from not having to report a crime, not having to, you know, file claims, not having to have your bank account on lockdown because of, you know, of something bad that happened is is well worth that extra time at the front end. Absolutely it is. And that's that's really what we try to instill in people. So that extra 30 seconds, you know, to log into your email or, or check your text and the, to access the code is definitely worth the potential years of aggravation that you have to deal with mm-hmm. if your, you know, your identity is stolen or they use your identity in other financial crimes or trying to recover this financial crime through the justice process, right? That can be literally years to try to recover. And so the extra 30 seconds to a minute 
are right. definitely worth the extra time and effort on your part. Yeah, safety first. Yes. Always safety first. Yeah. Um, you know, is there a course of action that you, that someone should do if they are actually interested in some of the things that are being scammed? Not that they're interested in scamming. I do not mean that. <laughs> what I mean is, you know, being interested in crypto, like you said, you know, it's, it's new. It's exciting. You know, mm-hmm. all the young kids are doing it, right? <laughs> and so... Um, you know, if you want to, and even even young people should be following these same mm-hmm. um, protections and uh, safeguards. You know, so what 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 should someone look out for if they actually are interested in this until uh, this unregulated yeah. um, cryptocurrency? I mean, until recently, now there's going to be some exchange traded funds. However, that's much different, right? Absolutely. And so, first and foremost, if you are planning on investing in anything doesn't matter what it is you need to look up your invest your advisor mm-hmm. um, you know check with finra check with the they have something called broker check which actually will tell you who is authorized to do what right so do they have a valid license to be investing mm-hmm. um, you know as an advisor do they have the authority to do so who do they work for have they ever been sanctioned or you know what kind of a background do they have did they just get in last week or have they they been doing this for 20 years you know and finding out what type of a background they have because that's really going to be important to you when you're trying to decide if you want to invest right whether that's crypto or any other type of investment you want to make sure that you trust your advisor yeah trust is very important you know with our we have a, a high service model here right so so we know our clients our clients know us and not every every investment firm not every advisor is kind of set up that way i would absolutely agree with you so there's so there's a lot to think about there right whether it's somebody that's a standalone person and do they have the trust and integrity do they have the credentialing and the backing of the regulatory agencies right right and it's very important um and you know, even somebody that you've had for a long period of time, you need to make sure that, you know, if you're investing in something new, you can always go back and check, right? Mm-hmm. That's always there. It's open to the public. It's it's open record. So you can certainly do that. Um, and I think that it's vitally important because not only that, you can also go on the, like, the Wisconsin Department of Financial Institutions and you can make sure that the company that that person works for is actually registered business in the state of Wisconsin, where we're here located. Obviously, if you're if you're listening from Florida, you know, you can do the same thing through your secretary of state. Um, but absolutely making sure that you are reaching out and verifying that person that you're going to trust mm-hmm. with your money. And you had mentioned here, you guys have a very high rating in making sure that you guys are you know, are in every aspect of your clients' lives, meaning that you want to help them in any way, shape, or mm-hmm. form, right? Right. When you're ready to invest, you need somebody that is willing to do that, right? Right. Because you also, as a client, need to trust that if I make a poor decision or I make a decision that's maybe outside of an investment with, say, your firm, right, you're willing to then come back to you and say, hey, look, I wanted to try it. Exactly. And this is what happened. Yeah. How do I fix it? And you right. have to trust your advisor to know that they're going to sit down with you and not judge you by any means, but help you through the process of, 
okay, this is what happened. How do we recover from that? Or, or mm-hmm. what do we do from here, right? And because these things do happen, and, and it is manipulation, or it is, you know, getting caught up in a moment, or not, not being able to slow down, they also, <laughs> the criminals don't give you a lot of time. It's look what you're going to miss out on. Look what you're going to miss out on. So when we're talking about verifying who you're working with, right, they're, they're not going to give you any time to do that and, and really get it kind of, you know, into a frenzy of thinking, what are you going to miss? Just go ahead and do it. Um, but, but you're right, you know, being able to share what happened with someone in your circle that's, that, that you do trust and can give you respect and walk you through, you know, okay, so now what? So now what do we do? How do we, how do we undo what we can? How do we get back on track? And that is, like you said, April, that's what that's what we do with our clients. And that's what, you know, we hope that everyone has that that person, those people in their life to help them forward. Yes. Yeah. And it's very necessary, right? Word of mouth. After something like this happens, if if you become a victim of a financial crime, whether that's crypto or otherwise, being able to reach out and talk to someone about that and just sharing your experience. Although it's going to be hard, I'm not going to say it's easy in any means, but sharing that is going to help someone else learn that they can move mm-hmm. through that same process, right? right? right. And maybe admit that they've been a victim of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's take another short break. And when we come back, we'll we'll talk about that response. We, we did just share through, you know, trust someone, share your story, but there's a lot more to it, you know, beyond that even as well. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And my guest today is April DeVolcanere, CEO and owner of Fortress Forensic Investigations. We've been talking the whole show about cryptocurrency investment scams. We've talked a bit about scams in general and how it's such a financial manipulation by people who have a lot of experience and a lot of savviness around how to manipulate people to get to get money out of them, you know, make it look like an investment when it really isn't, when it's just a, a crime. So if if you are a victim or if you think you are going to be a victim, you know, where do you go? We, we talked about like finding someone to trust, but like really like law enforcement wise, agency wise, what's the first step? The first thing that anybody that believes they've been a victim of a financial crime should do is actually go to a website. It's called ic3.gov, and it stands for the Internet Crime Complaint Center. And they should be reporting it there. Okay. So they will ask you a ton of different questions, some of which you will be able to answer, some of which you won't. That's Mm -hmm. okay. You fill out as much information as you have possible and leave the rest of it blank. If they need something more or they think that you'll have something more, they will reach out to you. Um, it's not very common. Generally, they will just um, try to start their investigation based on what you've provided. But then what that does is it goes to a number of different uh, places. So first of all, that's a federal agency that's running that. And so they will start their own investigation in trying to determine whether or not the criminal is domestic or international. And they will actually be assisting local law enforcement if it goes to that level. So even though you report on IC3.gov, you also want to be reporting to your local law enforcement agency. 
and they hopefully will be working in tandem on these types of crimes because some law enforcement agencies have the training and some do not. Okay. So first, first off, if you go to your local law enforcement agency and you tell them, hey, I'm a victim of this crime, here's the information, you know, here's the wallet address, and this is how much money I deposited and, and all of that, and they look at you and say, we can't do anything. Right. Please, please, please do not get discouraged, okay? <laughs> Some law enforcement agencies just don't have the manpower. They don't have the training yet. We're working on that. Um, like I had indicated, I am an adjunct professor for law enforcement and financial crimes. Um, I'm not yet teaching cryptocurrency, but I am part of the different groups that are helping to teach law enforcement. So I'm actually headed out to California next week in order to participate in a training that's being held um, by Aaron West and their REACT group, which is specific for law enforcement and how okay. they can respond to it. Uh, part of the reason that IC3 is so vitally important is that they have a much higher recovery rate um, of funds if you have reported to them within 48 hours of losing those funds. So okay, so the 48 hours is key is key right so if you, if it's been longer i still want you to report mm -hmm. but the likelihood of getting any of the funds back is still very very small even if you report within the 48 hours there's no guarantee you're going to get anything back but there's a better rate of recovery if you notify them as soon as possible um, so that's first and foremost the most important thing you want to make sure you're doing um the other thing is making sure that you're gathering all of the information that you can ahead of time, right? So you're not just walking in with your phone saying, hey, look, um, here's here's the number and I've been talking to them for three weeks or three months or three years because I can tell you that these criminals will stay with you as long as sure. you are investing money, right? Um, you want to make sure that you've kind of written out an understanding of what has occurred over the time span that you've been dealing with this person, so that you can provide that because once you go in to report it they're going to start asking questions and you know you might get flustered or you might you know things might kind of go out of order and now you're not sure if you told them all of it or you know sure. just trying to remember all the pieces so maybe even if you don't want to write it all write yourself a bullet point list you mm -hmm. know things that you want to make sure that you're telling them or providing to them um, if you have addresses meaning receipts from like a what they call Bitcoin ATM machines or, you know, online or something like that. If you have something, some type of a receipt, make sure that you're bringing with that with or copies of it. Um, you know, those types of things are very, very important as well. Locations. Well, where where were you going? Where, where were you depositing the money? Um, right. Those are all really important aspects. Yeah, that's really good to, to realize too. And if it is mostly or is it all usually electronic communication, you would have a record going back through your text string or your email chain. But that's just a lot. I know when I just try to find a picture someone sent to me, <laughs> that's, that can feel, you know, like a lot to have to try to sift through. But, you know, this would be important for that chance of recovery, chance of catching the criminal, chance of preventing this from happening to somebody else. Absolutely. And so IC3.gov, local mm -hmm. law enforcement, um, any other places that, that someone should go if they if they think they have been a victim or if they it, think someone else has been a victim? Right. It depends on the, the 
aspect of, of where you're looking at, right? So if, if you think an older adult is involved, you might want to contact your adult protective services in the local area and say, hey, look, um, you know, we've been talking with them and maybe that adult protective service agency might be able to help provide additional resources and or understanding to that victim. Um, you know, and maybe if you're on a college campus, because truthfully, we've learned that a lot of students that are losing money are between the ages of 16 and 30, mm-hmm. you know, and so if you're on a college campus, maybe you go to your local, um, you know, campus police or, you know, something to that, some type of a student organization that's there to help students on campus. Um, so there's there's a number of different possibilities, but first and foremost is IC3.gov and your local law enforcement. Well, and, and so much of scams in general, you know, they're going to prey on someone's network as well. Yes. You know, when you talk about younger people and social media and if they can look at your friends online and that's a whole nother, you know, pile of topics for another for another show um, about about that side of things. But mm-hmm. I know that that's one way that if we can stop the criminals, that's just going to help protect people around us, too. Absolutely. And I will just mention quickly, because I know we didn't talk about it uh, in the Stay Safe earlier online, is that if you're on any type of social media, making sure that your privacy settings are set to private right, and not public. And not only are they set to that, but every time that that social media um, platform doesn't update, you have to reset it to private. Good to know. So Mm -hmm. just making sure that you are double checking that periodically. That's great. Well, April, I've learned so much from talking to you, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Um, if if anybody wanted to know more about the work you do or, or get in touch with you, what would be a good place to start? They can just go to my website. It's just www.protectyourfortress.com. I like that. As a, that's That's wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much, April, for, for joining today. Um, as our listeners likely already know uh, Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 to 1 p.m. If you enjoyed today's show and you want to learn more about EIG and our upcoming events, you can visit ellenbecker.com or call the office at 262-691-3200. And as always, I hope that we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, Before we invest, we always listen.